Have you ever had any questions about the Bible that you just couldn't get a solid answer for? Perhaps someone gave you answers, but they were confusing or not biblical. You tuned in at the right time and place to find real answers from God's Word, the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI 323-1113. Be sure to turn your radio down when you call. Live from Guam, join us now for Straight from the Bible with Pastor Louis Moffness. Hello and good afternoon each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Straight from the Bible. Here in the studios of Joy FM, we have a live Bible question and answer program, and we're very glad that you have joined us. I would like to invite you to please join us for prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Lord, before we open the Word of God, we invite you, the Most Holy God, to to give us your spirit. We invite you to come into our hearts, our minds, and to bring us truth as you promised in the scriptures. And I pray, O oh Lord, not only for those of us who are here in the studios of Joy FM, but also with our listening friends throughout the islands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. My name is Pastor Louis Moffness, and with me today is my wonderful daughter, Hannah. Hannah Moffness. Hello, Hannah. So Hi. glad that you're here today. Good to be here. Yes. And we're, uh, she's going to be assisting, well, not really assisting, she's going to be answering questions alongside me today. And we are going to, well, we would thank you for tuning in and listening, but we invite you to call in your questions. And so I would like to ask Hannah for her help in giving those contact information out so that you can call or email or other ways. So, Hannah, well, what do they have to call if they want to give in their Bible questions today? Right. If you're on Guam, the number to call is 472-1111. If you're in the CNMI, Sai Pantanian or Rhoda, the number to call is 323-1113. You can also text at 671-686-9999. And you could also um, see us live on Facebook and comment your questions there. You can email us also your questions at joyfmradio.net. Okay. Uh, that's a Bible at joyfmradio.net. Oh, right. Bible. <laughs> B-I-B-L-E at joyfmradio.net. And uh, yes, if you go to Facebook, you'll see what how how similar Hannah and I look. And <laughs> or at least that's what people say. And there, I don't see it. <laughs> but there on the live stream, there is a comment section, and you may leave your question there on the comment section. Um, if you're listening to this program at any other time besides Monday from 5 to 6 p.m., then you're listening to our rebroadcast. We're glad that you're still listening. And you can still call the studios at any time of the week. But your live answer, of course, will come the following program, presumably the next Monday. And so we invite you to pick up your phones right now. Our phone lines are open. Our handsome operators are standing by. And we are eagerly awaiting your call. And so go ahead and pick up your phones and, and, and dial in your questions now. But until then, I b do believe we have some questions that have arrived through email. And so, Hannah, what questions do we have there? Right. We have our first question. With whom did Jacob wrestle with, an angel or God? That's a very good question. I, like I question. yeah, that is. I like that. Uh, the story goes that there, um, when Jacob heard that Esau was coming for him with four hundred armed men, the last memory he had of Esau was uh, Esau. He had deceived uh, deceived his father and tricked Esau out of receiving the birthright blessing. Mm -hmm. 
And Esau was incredibly angry and vowed to kill Jacob. And so that's what he thought Esau was coming to do. Um, but on, while he was arranging for the safety of at least some of his family, it says that he spent all night alone uh, across a particular brook. And you find the story in Genesis chapter 32. And there in this story, it says in Genesis chapter 32 and around uh, verse, uh, verse 24 and 25, and uh, why don't you read that for us, Hannah? Okay, verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now that's interesting because, you know, when I was a... When I was a youngin, I did my fair share of wrestling. I think a lot of most boys do. And when we're wrestling and we're twisting each other's arms and grabbing each other's legs and <laughs> clinging on for, I've never seen anybody just simply touch a thigh and dislocate the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, this obviously was not, it, it describes him as a man, but obviously this was not a mere human being. But this was evidently a, a um a, uh, how can I say, we can say that this is an angel in the form of a man. Mm. Now, the reason why we say angel is because in the book of Hosea, we'll keep our thumb here (laughs) in the book of Genesis chapter 32, but in Hosea chapter 12, at least I think it's chapter 12, and in... This chapter, it's talking about Jacob and how he was wrestling with, uh, with uh, it said it calls him the angel. And I'm going to go ahead and go to where I was searching this. And it's in Hosea chapter 12 and looking at verse 3, I believe. Uh, it's actually verse, uh, f- yeah, Hosea chapter 12, and we'll read verse uh, 3 and 4. And would you like to help us with that, Jessica? I mean, Hannah? Oh, my. I made a mistake there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to having Jessica with me. Okay, just Hannah, can you please read uh, verse 3 and 4? He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him and found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. Hosea calls this being an angel. So in Genesis chapter uh, 32, it says a man came, but obviously it was not a man. Hosea says it was an angel. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, we can say that it was an angel, but Jacob after, now we're going back to Genesis chapter 32, Jacob said something that reveals the true identity of this person. And so Mm -hmm. we look at verse 30. Could you read verse 30 for us? Okay. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, Mm -hmm. for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So who did Jacob believe that he was, that he had just seen face to face? That I have seen God God. face to face. Mm -hmm. face. And it's interesting because he was given the new name Israel, which means overcomer with God. Mm. And so evidently this was not a mere angel. So if we put it all together, there's only one being in the entire 
uh, creation, who is referred to as a man and sometimes referred to as an angel, mm-hmm. as in an archangel, and also and also God. And that would be the Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. pre-incarnate before he became a human being. Are we saying that Jesus is a created being, like an angel, like Gabriel, or like a seraphim or cherubim? Absolutely not. The word angel uh, many times just simply means a, a heavenly being mm-hmm. or a messenger. And both of those can apply to Jesus without making him a created being. Mm-hmm. And so he is verily God, just as the Father. And so we believe that this was Jesus himself in the form of a man. You might say even in the form of an angel, but it was God. Okay. It was Jesus Christ himself. And I noticed um, when in the story, it capitalizes the he. Ah, Okay, in in uh, that would be the New King James version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many times the uh, the uh, the Bible writers, when they see that it's referring to God, yeah. they would give the mm-hmm. capital pronoun he, mm-hmm. and so that's uh, that's up to the translator. Now it looks like we have a caller who's waiting, and so why don't we go ahead and put this person on the line? We don't have a name, but we'll welcome this person just the same. Okay. Welcome to Straight from the Bible. You're on the air. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. You have a question for I us? I have a question. So, if I was adopted okay. and my adopted parents passed away, what happens to my biological parents? Do I honor them the same way I honored my adopted parents? Am I sinning for not honoring my biological parents? Well, that's a very good question. Um when God says, honor your father and your mother, he is, in fact, um, asking you to respect the authority that he has placed over you in raising you and bringing you up and teaching you. And uh, in that way, you learn how to live life and you learn values from the people who are raising you. Um, that's the general principle, that whoever is raising you, that you give them due respect and honor. And I guess in this situation that you're that you're giving us, it's a ad- adoptive parents. Now, I I uh, I know that uh, wh- I know what it's like to grow up with an adoptive parent, and I believe that God was requiring of me to respect them just as if they were biological. And so I praise God for for the authorities that uh, the parental authorities that God provides. Um, now, should that extend to the biological parents that maybe you didn't grow up with or raised by, or maybe they're just, uh, you know, they weren't as part of your life as the adoptive parents? I believe that that commandment, honoring your father and mother, actually does go outside the actual parents that you grew up with. Uh, the principle here is that um, another good principle is to respect our elders, And uh, I believe that the promise that you find in the book of Ephesians, uh, where it says, honor your father and your mother, um, for uh, this is the first commandment with promise. Now, I I get from your question that you're wondering, do I have to? Uh, Is it required of me by God? Yes. Well, that's the thing is that when, you know, when God wants us to love and, uh, you know, to give due love and respect to those who who are who are worthy of it. Now, I know that there's a lot of people who say, well, you know, I had parents who abused me. I had parents who hurt me and things like that. Um, I'm not sure if that's true in this situation or not, but um, 
you can honor without uh, condoning anything that is wrong. You don't uh, want to condone abuse. You don't want to condone um, anything that uh, our ungodly parents might be doing. I kind of think of Samuel. You remember Samuel when he uh, was in the when he was in the uh, under the adoptive uh, adoptive situation with priest Eli. Priest Eli was not a very good father. Uh, he had two wicked sons, and yet Samuel just simply gave them the honor that was due. Uh, to them. Now, I'm not sure if this is uh, answering your question, but the general principle is give them the honor that you believe God would, uh, Jesus would give if he were in your place. If Jesus were in your place, how much would he honor them? How much would he uh, give respect unto them? And uh, you don't want to, if there's any wrongdoing, you don't want to honor that. You don't want to follow that example. But, uh, you know, it is appropriate to to extend uh, loving, uh, do do benevolence. The Bible says, um, do respect, do love to those who who are our parents. I see. Thank you. That that gave me an open mind, or not an open mind, but uh, <laughs> to see what I'm dealing with. I understand. Now, um, if there's any need for further uh, pastoral uh, counseling or anything like that, I, I encourage you to seek out a very godly uh, um, uh, clergyman who can help you work through uh, whatever situation you're, you find yourself in. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Well, God thank bless you. you and thank you very much for your question. Okay. Uh, well, Hannah, it looks like we... Uh, that was wonderful to have a call. Yeah. Yes. Now I see that there's another question that came through a phone call, but it was the question was simply left with us. Okay. Okay. Um, can a person with dysfunctional family become a deacon? Can a person with a dysfunctional family become a deacon? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> okay. Now there's a lot of things that are not in the question that could have helped us. What do you mean by dysfunctional? Do you mean your brother is, uh, is spoiled rotten? I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Uh, it could mean a lot of things. Many people say, oh, we're a dysfunctional family. Why? Well, because we, uh, we had an argument this evening. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean the whole family can't function. <laughs> if the family is functioning, you know, mom and dad's doing their job. Kids are respecting their, their parents. Uh, I'm, there's going to be disobedient kids in every family, and there's going to be parents who have flaws in every family. I suppose you can say, because we're all sinners, we all have dysfunctional families. <laughs> but uh, what the Bible does give as a criteria for uh, the deacon is that the deacon does rule well his own family. And I believe that's found in the book of Second Timothy. And so I'm going to go there and uh, do that uh search so that we can see the criteria for a deacon. Okay, and we find that in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I think we can start at verse 8. So let me take a look. Okay, and uh, I think verse 12 is the one that is pertinent to our question today. So could you read verse 12 first, Hannah? Okay, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Yes, and all, 
and all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ. I think that's Second Timothy. Is that First Timothy, chapter three? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was in Second Timothy. Okay, First Timothy, chapter three, three, verse twelve, and verse twelve. Okay, let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. Okay, so one wife. In other words, he has a successful marriage, or at least a marriage that is following God's plan, and then ruling their children and their own houses. That means anybody else who's under their house. Um, A deacon is a very holy calling, and they are to be, uh, you might say, very good examples of what it means to be a Christian, not only in church, but also in the home. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I would like to encourage people before they take the office of deacon or before a church chooses a deacon to think carefully with the example that they give in their family. Mm -hmm. It'd be a good idea to ask their, ask their children, Hey, how's your dad? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Children will always tell the the truth. (laughs) Does your dad read the Bible? Does your dad pray? Does your dad uh, bring you to family worship? Uh, Does your dad uh, love Jesus? And, uh, you know, and listen to the answers. It'd be quite insightful (laughs) because, you know, we all act Christian in church. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very uh, normal, I guess, and natural to put on our church faces when we come to worship. Um, But the truth does come out in, in the home home. and the children witness and they can they can tell the truth and so maybe i should do that as a pastor you know whenever (laughs) someone's going to be a deacon let me let me talk to their kids okay i hope that answered the the question and so those those are the criteria that the bible gives for deacons Okay, it looks like we had another call that came, uh, another question that came through a call, and the question was simply left to us. Okay, it says, if I witness to to an atheist friend for two or more years and still no changes, should I still be friends with them? Okay, that is a good question. You know, Hannah, let me let you take a crack at that before I start preaching again. <laughs> and, um, okay, so you're witnessing this person is an atheist. Right. Two or more years. Mm-hmm. When am I going to give up on this guy? Right. Do I, should I give up on him? Do I continue mm-hmm. being friends? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what would be your opinion on that? Well, when, when I was reading this, what came to my mind was, you know, um, Thinking of God, not yeah. giving up on us. Ah, good point. I am sure God has been struggling with a lot of people way longer than just two, two years. years. Mm. And so I kind of, I'm kind of thinking, That's the would I God. want God to be patient with me and not <laughs> give up on me past two years? Mm. And also what comes to mind is I know someone who was going to a woman's Bible study for around two years mm-hmm. and she just went listen didn't say anything didn't give any feedback it yeah. didn't look on the outside like anything was really changing right but they still kept inviting her she still kept coming and in and the I, end she ended up giving her life to god i know and i married her, her. <laughs> I, I know I, I married this lady and I can vouch for everything you just said. And so, okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. You do not know the heart. Yeah. You do not, it, you may, it may seem like nothing's taking, but right. every, your friendship is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. 
And why would you stop being friends with them? The only reason I would say don't be friends with them is if they're influencing you mm-hmm. into sin rather than you influencing them into righteousness. Yeah. So maybe they're not ready for baptism already, or maybe they're not ready to, uh, you know, throw their hands up and say, praise God, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, that is no indication that nothing's happening. If right. we go to the book of John chapter 3, in the book of John chapter 3, this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, the the volume seems to have uh, gone low a little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Okay, but in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit. And if we look at verse 8, let's uh, hear what Jesus has to say about how the Holy Spirit works. Okay, John John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus likened it to wind. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, you can't really see wind. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see what it's doing. I mean, you can see what it's doing when you see leaves moving. And when and when you see the leaves moving, then you know the Holy Spirit's moving. You should totally uh, try to get that person to make a decision. Mm-hmm. But f- for a long time, it, you know, because you don't see what's happening in the heart, uh, your your friendship and your influence would be a very, very powerful thing so that one day they might. They mm-hmm. just might. Now, it's no guarantee that they will. They do have their own choice, but yeah. they are advantaged a great deal with your Christian witness. Mm-hmm. So once I, more, yeah, go yeah, ahead. I know it takes a lot of patience mm-hmm. and yeah. that can be difficult. You pray that God give you his patience. Mm. Ask him, you know, Lord, give me the patience that you have been dealing have with, with me. Right. <laughs> you know, give me some of that patience and he will. Yes. He will. So once more, if they're influencing you towards sin, that would be the reason to not continue with the relationship. Mm-hmm. But if you are you are still being a positive influence, you know, mm-hmm. like salt and light, then by all means, there's no reason to stop it. Matter of fact, there's every reason to continue. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. Uh, it's We are about five or seven minutes away from ha- taking our break uh, from the first half of our program. And so I want to give those phone numbers out again, 472-1111, 472-1111. This is straight from the Bible. And if you're on Guam, you can call that number to ask your Bible question. The wonderful islands of Saipan, Tinian, or Rhoda can dial 323-1113, 323-1113. And you can go to facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. And when you get to that page, you can see where the live stream happening right now. And you can go to the live stream, watch the, uh, the show as we are uh, conducting it now, and go to the comment section and you can leave your question there. And we'll see it right away. Well, we're very glad that you have joined us, and uh, we would love to have you call. So go ahead. It seems like we have about five minutes left in our program before we have to take a break. And if you call right now, it'd be wonderful to uh, to hear your question. Uh, and until we get a call, though, and from our operators, we would like to uh, simply um, take a look at a couple of other email questions that we can answer.
This one says, does God inspire astrologers and physics? Psychics. Psychics. I'm sorry. <laughs> physics <laughs> does come from God. You know, all the sciences. That didn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> psychics. Psychics. Well, okay. So astrologers and psychics. Some definitions are probably in order. Uh, an astrologer. Not to be confused with an astronomer. An astronomer studies the legitimate sciences of the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, the comets, planets, galaxies, nebulas, all of that wonderful stuff. Um, but astrologers, uh, uh, they attribute spiritual and divine meaning to the positioning of the stars, as if those stars somehow form your future or your present or who you are as a person. Which, um, and they base the, these things off of things in mythology and things like that. Now, a psychic is a person who, who claims to have the power of clairvoyance, a person who believes that they can uh, read minds, and the Bible says that only God can do that. Mm -hmm. um, Satan himself can't read our mind. Uh, the, the King Solomon, when he was dedicating the temple, he says, you and you alone know the thoughts of man's hearts. And so psychics, they, they uh, believe that they can foretell the future. And uh, the Bible says that God only is the one who can accurately foretell the future. Mm -hmm. And so does God inspire uh, these astrologers and psychics? The first thing I would like to say is that astrologers and psychics in no way claim that their power comes from God. They don't. They say that we get our powers from other things, like the power of my mind, the power of the stars, the powers of this and that. None of them even claim, and if they do claim it, it's not true. Um, no, God does not inspire astrologers or psychics. As a matter of, as a matter of fact, he prohibits um, similar practices as witchcraft. Um, he he uh, um, the Bible says that in the book of Second uh, Timothy that witchcraft is one of the works of the flesh, and so. Um, that is that, that tells us that these things that claim to have power to be able to do supernatural things, um, you know, and they are simply not the way God does things like um, flipping cards or looking into crystal balls or simply or, or holding hands at a seance or going through horoscopes. All of these things that I really even hate mentioning, these are not God's ways of communicating with us. Mm -hmm. The way God communicates with us is through the scriptures. And those were written by the prophets. And a prophet is way different from an astrologer. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look at the stars. He doesn't say, I have the power of my mind to read minds and things like that. Right. He says, no, it's not me. It's God only. And so he doesn't even claim to have any power. A prophet does not. Mm -hmm. And whatever the prophets say, it will always match up with what mm -hmm. God says in his, his word, the Bible. The stuff that the astrologers and psychics and tarot cards and everything none of them match up they'll contradict the, yes they'll i mean contradict. they may try quoting some of it but there's going to be something that that they contradict yeah and mm. um you know when i think about psychics and fortune tellers and uh you know they some people have actually taken some of the the predictions of these psychics and the and uh and um you know people who say that they have the power of their mind to 
read minds and foretell the future. And they tested the accuracy, and it's it's way low. I mean, the weatherman gets it right more times than they do. And so, yeah, that it's not predict. It's not reliable. The most of their predictions never come true or come true incorrectly or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, it's really it's it's evident that they're guessing. But you mm-hmm. may say, what happens if they do come true? Um, can if a person foretells it, hey, he, he, someone foretold it and it came true, it must be from God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, no, not right. Um, the Bible makes it very clear that um, if a prophet makes a prediction and it does come to pass and then he says, let's leave the Lord and follow these other gods, then do not listen to that prophet. Mm-hmm. So false prophets who are able to predict the future, um, because, you know, Let's face it, I can predict the future to an extent. Right. I'll give you an example. I predict this island, everyone in this island is going to eat dinner tonight. So because I predicted that with some reasonably accurate um, you know, accuracy, does that mean that I <laughs> – no, it, doesn't, it, mm-hmm. it just means it's a very good guess right. and a very, very safe assumption. Mm-hmm. And so, no, just because someone gets it right sometimes doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean that that person has the power of God. And let's also remember that there is an enemy out there, and he is also a spiritual power. Satan can work through these mm-hmm. types of mediums, astrologers, psychics. Because he tries to copy. He tries to counterfeit. counterfeit. He tries to counterfeit and then lead people astray. Mm -hmm. So stick to the scriptures, stick to the word of God, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you personally through them. As you can hear from the music, it means that we've reached our halfway point. We're not done. We're simply going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this. When you think about infection, you probably think about it in a negative way. A virus or bacteria moves from one person to another, and then they don't feel the best, right? But infection can be good. For instance, when you grow God's character in your life, it can be infectious because people actually want what you have. God offers it. We share it. Listeners financially support the miracle of change. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit your questions online to joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for Straight from the Bible. Half a day and welcome back to Straight from the Bible. You're live with me, Hannah Moffness, and my dad, Pastor Moffness. <laughs> Once again, go ahead and call in. We are live now, free to call in your questions. If you're on Guam, the number to call is 472-1111. If you're in the CNMI, the number to call is 323-1113. You can also text if you're to Mamalo to talk on the phone. You can call 6 uh, 686 
Okay, and if you would like to visit us on Facebook, you may. And we have a live stream there with video, and that's found on facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. And you can see the comment section there. Leave your question there. We'll be so happy to take your question. But we love calls. We love calls. And so you have approximately 30 minutes to do so before we have to sign off at 6 p.m. And so please take advantage of our open lines. Our operators are standing by. We'll be so glad to take your call and your question. And uh, while, our, while our friends are listening and getting ready to call, then we have some emails, that uh, email questions. And so why don't we take some of those Hannah okay there's this question that say let's say you're marinating your uh, clean meats is it also bad to mix in pork with the clean meats is it still okay to cook and eat the beef with chicken okay that's a this is a question about clean and unclean foods mm -hmm. now here on this program we <laughs> have taken a look at what the Bible says about which animals God gave his blessing and permission to eat, and which animals he says not to eat. Um, if you go to the book of Leviticus chapter 11, it's a very easy chapter to find. He gives criteria of which animals are clean to eat. And it says uh, they have to have two characteristics. One is that they have a cloven hoof, mm -hmm. and the second is that they chew the cud. That narrows it down a whole lot to which land animals are clean. Mm -hmm. um, that would be the, the oxen, like the cows or the bulls, the sheep, the rams and the ewes, and the lambs, and also the goats. And so uh, deer and carabao also fall into that same category. Now, if we are looking, looking at the water animals, then God, again, gives two characteristics that approve them to be clean. They have to have two things, both fins and scales. If either one are missing, then it's an unclean animal. So if we take a look at, uh, now, the, 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 this is a cooking question. <laughs> so marinate, marinating. Marinating something with pork or mixing pork with clean meats. Well, I think the obvious answer is you're, you're eating pork. Mm -hmm. And that is in itself a, an unclean animal. And, um, you know, whether you're, you're, whether it's just liquid or, you know, you, you boiled pork and you're using the water to marinate it with, other thing, you know, whatever it is, the, the point is you're, you're eating an unclean, uh, unclean animal, even mm -hmm. though it's not, you know, you, you may say, well, the beef and chicken are there. I, what if I just eat the beef and chicken? It was cooked with, um, and, and by the way, the Bible does uh, tell us, uh, about, <clears throat> about uh, you can ruin something with what uh, with the liquid that you cook it with. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible says you shall not boil a um, boil a uh, what would you call it a calf? <laughs> yeah, a calf. You shall not boil a calf, a seed um, a calf in its mother's milk. And so that that's a whole different uh, category, but it does show that what you cook it with also makes something not good. Mm. And so I would say that if you're marinating with an unclean animal, then you are still eating that unclean animal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all of this, I want to say, is not just simply rules or anything pharisaical. This is, in fact, God trying to improve your health so that you can properly take care of the body temple that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And one thing we need to understand is that the, the spiritual part of our bodies 
and the physical part of our bodies, they both go together. Right. They're very you, connected. That's right. If you do well spiritually, it improves your physical health. If you improve your physical health, it also helps you spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's take very good care of our health. And by the way, if you have health questions, we have a wonderful program here on Joy FM on Wednesdays from 5 to 6. And it's uh, with uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Robinson and Dr. Arnott, Timothy Arnott. Both take uh, both are wonderful in answering health questions better than I, and this is, would be a good question to ask them, mm-hmm. and uh, it would be very insightful, especially with the wealth of knowledge that they have. Right. So why don't you go ahead you and go more in whoever uh, sent this in? Why don't you go ahead and call this question in to? Uh, st- I'm forgetting the total name. Health. Total health. Total health. Uh, call in total health and get a wonderful answer to this question. But uh, I've given a Bible answer, and so there you go. <laughs> okay, our next question. Are humans truly evil inside? I've always read and heard that people need Jesus to be good. I find that hard to believe since many just want to put out, uh, sorry, put good out in the world and have met many people, uh, good people who are not spiritually inclined. For myself, I like to think I have good intentions at heart and express that through action. So what does the Bible say about this? Can someone just be a good person? That is a good question. And one thing that we have to be very careful of is making our own standard for righteousness. Mm -hmm. When it comes to being good, if we are good according to our own thoughts, our own estimation, then that's almost like a child who's only like four foot high or three foot high. He measures himself against the wall and says, hey, look, I'm six foot (laughs) when he's not. Uh, If you want a standard of righteousness, then we have to go to God in uh, in the scriptures. And I I guarantee it that if you took one glimpse for five seconds at the glory of God and his righteousness, um, something is going to happen to your estimation of yourself. Let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 6 because here we have the very same thing happening. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord himself. And when that happens, let's take a look at what happened to Isaiah. When What did he exclaim? And by the way, this is a prophet of God. So a very good man, a very good man. And let's see what he thought of himself after he took a glimpse of God in his temple. Um, if you read verses 1 to 4, It talks about the glory that Isaiah saw. But what we want to read is verse 5. Okay. Isaiah 6, verse 5. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he says, I am undone. I am a mess. I am... Uh, all the things that that are bad about me, just you know, everything that was bad about him, just came up to the surface, and he mm-hmm. saw it. It's almost like you don't see how dirty you are in a dark room. Yeah. But as soon as the light is introduced, the closer that the light gets, the more you see about yourself. And so we may flatter ourselves that, well, I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm a good person, 
or I may flatter myself that I, I try to do a lot of good in the world. Do I really need Jesus? Do I really need God? We're in a dark room. Mm-hmm. We're in a dark room and there's something that we're just not seeing because we don't have the capability to do it. When the Holy Spirit does show us uh, what what uh, what we truly are, uh, he tells us this in the book of Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64, verse 6 tells us what all of our good is like um, in in God's estimation. Go ahead, Hannah. Could I was you read just that? about to bring up this verse. Mm. It was, a, it was oh, the then, verse that was in my mind, but I wasn't sure where to find it. Oh, good. Now you can read it. <laughs> okay. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Now, Hannah, because you that verse came up in your mind, what did you want to say about that verse? Because mm-hmm. he's um, talking about his own good intentions that he tries to, you know, that he has within himself. But it's like even our own attempts, our own righteousness mm. that we try to conjure. Right. It's still like filthy rags. All, yeah, and and the filthy rags that are being described there is like a leper's rag. Mm. Rags that are wrapped around putrid sores oozing with pus. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what our and that's what our good deeds are like. You can imagine the bad. Right. And so, yeah, um, there's really no basis to flatter ourselves that we're doing good. Mm-hmm. Um and then finally, the question is, do I, do I need Jesus? Well, I'm going to let Jesus answer that. <laughs> and so please, wherever, um, to our wonderful friend, wonderful friend who emailed this in, I, I, I urge you to listen to what Jesus says in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 5. Because in John 15, verse 5, Jesus tells us how much we can do without him. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How much can we do without Jesus? Nothing. I I ask uh, people when I preach, how much is nothing? And many people say zero. I say, no, that's not enough. You have to peel the zero. (laughs) (laughs) Well, without Jesus, we can do nothing. Nothing good. Mm -hmm. We can't do anything. It's like... A person who is a leper, if he can just make himself clean, it's not possible. We are sinners. We're infected with disease, the the disease of sin. We are born in sin. According to Isaiah 51, we are in in iniquity. We are shapen in our mother's womb. And so, no, humanity does not have anything to commend itself. There is only one way of escape. There is only one way to actually be good and do good. And that is to have Jesus dwell in us. Mm -hmm. And might I say this, that if God commands everyone to come to Jesus, if God is requiring everyone to approach him through his son, Jesus Christ, and we refuse that, that itself is not good. Mm -hmm. And so while I may give all my money to the poor, I can heal people. I can I can uh, do a lot of good things, but if that one thing that God requires to accept Jesus Christ, if I refuse that, then guess what? I have refused the most important thing, and that is not good. Mm-hmm. And so that will would be on my on my uh, 
on my conscience. That would be on my that would be my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so we need to understand that we have to come to God the way He himself says to do it. Right. I can't just come to God and, and live my life any way I want. Mm-hmm. Because heaven the way to heaven and the way to eternal life and the way to become a good person has never been up to us. Yeah. The way that we do this is the is God's way. Mm-hmm. Any, any good that we have in ourselves is from him. That's right. That's right. And I like it that way. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. It looks like we do have some uh, questions that have been called in and left with us. Okay. Uh, something about pizza. Oh, oh we're getting food oh, questions today. I think that was the... Um that goes uh, with about the, p- the pork uh, oh. question. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that goes with the pepperoni pizza that we pick off and just make it cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, uh, just be very careful. I think we've mm-hmm. already answered that. So why don't we go on to the next question <laughs> okay. from our WhatsApp. From our, are the Egyptians that the Israelites were delivered from the same Egyptians that made the pyramids? Okay, that's that is a question that a lot of people have wondered. That uh, the slaves, uh, the Israelite slaves, were they the ones who were slaves when the Egyptian tombs were built, which of mm-hmm. course were the pyramids. <clears throat> the pyramids were. Um, many people believe that that was from the Israelite times. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've looked into my Egyptology and archaeology. But I do not believe that time period where the where the Israelites were were slaves in Israel. I, th- if I'm not mistaken, I do believe that the pyramids were erected before them, mm. and so I do not. Um, th- those were huge projects. If you go to each, uh, if you go to each, um, what do you call it? Uh, if you go to each uh, pyramid and you look at each block. Every one of them is is just so measured so perfectly, and they fit together so perfectly that if you couldn't even insert a postcard between them, the 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 ingenuity of the Egyptians who did this were were amazing because it took mathematical precision that it, it's hard to accomplish even today. And with the archaeology that they that they um, looked at at who built the pyramids, they were not slaves. They were actually hired workers. They found the places where the workers were camped. They saw where they were provided food. And yes, it's very evident that they were paid workers. So they were not the Israelites who built the Egyptians. Now, that's actually uh, backed up by the Bible because the Bible says that they were making brick with straw. And the pyramids were not made with bricks made out of straw. Those were quarried stone. Mm-hmm. And so, no, uh, that does not even match the description of the work that the Israelites were doing there in Egypt. So that is how I would answer that. It is not the same time period. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was before. The, the, the uh, pyramids went up even before uh, the Israelites were there in, the, in, the, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitching us some hard ones. That's good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, looks like we have, what is this, about 13 minutes left. I believe that there's a person out there who really has a burning question in their mind. And I'm going to encourage you to call right now. We have enough time before we have to sign off. So 472-1111 if you're calling from Guam. 
472-1111. If you are calling from the CNMI, then please dial 323-1113, 323-1113. So please call right now so that we can have enough time to answer your questions. Okay, so uh, do we have another email question, Hannah? Yes, we have what language did God use to communicate with Adam and Eve? It must have been the most beautiful language ever. <laughs> I've wondered this question myself. <laughs> now, the, we do know, as the story goes, what, that they were all of one language all the way up until after the flood. Because after the flood, um, we see that uh, they were going to build a tower that would reach unto heaven. And when they did this, God's, uh, um, you, you see this in the book of um, Genesis chapter 11, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Now, wouldn't that be nice today if we had that, if everybody spoke the same language? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no need for translators or anything like that. Um, but when God saw that they were rebelling in their work, he uh, confused their language. So that's where all the different languages came from. Can I just make something clear? It does not say that this is where the different races begin. Mm. God did not divide them up according to skin color or shape of their eyes or by height or by facial features. None of that. It was by language. Mm. And so God did not make the races. That's different. Um, if, we, if we take that, that they were all of one language, then that means that that is the language that came down to them from Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. um, but what language was that? I'm not sure that language even exists today. It may have been wiped out there at the Tower of Babel, but the truth is, is that language changes over time. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't say LOL. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't, uh, there's a lot of uh, words that just didn't exist when I was uh, younger, mm -hmm. and now here my daughter Hannah's using it. <laughs> no, actually, you never say LOL to me. But uh, new words are always cropping up, and some right. words change in their meaning. Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember when the word "gay" meant happy. But uh, the words do change. And so if you take a look at Wycliffe, John Wycliffe's translation of the Bible, it's in English. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the English, the, the, the average English speaker today wouldn't even be able to, wouldn't be able to read it mm -hmm. because that English is way different from the English of today. Mm -hmm. And even classical Greek if I took, I took classical Greek in seminary, if I went to Greece today and tried to s speak like that, they say, what, you sound weird. And uh, I mean, they would still understand it, but they say, you sound like Moses. And so, yeah, the languages are just always changing, evolving, because, you know, uh, human beings change and uh, cultures change. It's not that, uh, it's not entirely solid. It's always, it's very fluid. And so the original language, I'm going to go ahead and hazard a guess. It doesn't even exist. It doesn't even exist today. I don't believe it was Hebrew. I don't believe it was Chamorro. I don't believe it was English. Um, and if it was any of these things, I guarantee it, you wouldn't be able to recognize it if, <laughs> because right. those are centuries, millennia old, mm -hmm. years old. So you can learn it when we get to heaven. Why not? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We can speak the language of the angels. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, did you want to say anything about that, Hannah? Because I'm doing all the talking. No. <laughs> you got you're, it? You're That's good. good? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so what do we have? Uh, maybe one more clo- uh, question to close our program. Okay. It says, remember the bones found at the casino in Saipan? Should they be memorialized? Like, how can we memorialize our family? Okay. Now, this is something I'm not aware of. Um, the mm. bones found in the casino in Saipan. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure mm. what that is, but let's say that we do find some bones that are uh, unidentified, a corpse that uh, nobody knows who the family is, nobody knows the identity of the person. Should that person be memorialized? Should that person receive last rites? Should that person receive a memorial service? You know, kind of like the way we um. We give our family members mm-hmm. memorial. Well, the Bible does say something about honoring the dead. Now, it doesn't say anything about honoring unknown, unknown dead. But there's a good reason why we bury the dead. Uh, for one thing, it's it, it, um, rotting corpses and bones. Um, it's just not a very sanitary and clean thing to have a dead body uncovered. Uh, When we cover the bones, that uh, it is a a form of respect, Mm -hmm. but it's also a very good uh, thing for hygiene. Um, Now, the thing is, a memorial service is usually remembering the person and their life, Mm -hmm. but there isn't anything here. But if somebody somebody brought this to my attention and say, should we have a memorial service, a burial, I would say that that would be appropriate. You know, that, that would be appropriate to just simply say, Lord, we don't know who this person is, but, uh, you know, we are, we're, we're, we're giving him the burial, the dignity that every human being deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a dog. It's not an animal. This was once your child. This was once your son or daughter, whatever the case may be. And we just simply say, whoever it was, we certainly hope, dear Lord, we know that you love this person. And so we now return this uh, person to the ground uh, and uh, await the resurrection. And so we can make it all about, you know, just simply this person was once God's child. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is enough to give respect. Right. Would that be the same way you memorialize family? Because that's the last question. Like, how would we, we memorialize our family? When we memorialize our family members, it really is the way I see most memorial services, funerals, is really for the family. Um, You know, a time to grieve, Mm -hmm. a time to comfort, a time to focus on God, a time to remember the good things of that person who passed away. Um, These are things uh, how the church can minister to the family. Now, once more, if if an unidentified corpse happens, then we don't know who the family is. Mm -hmm. And so it really is just about recognizing that this person was a child of God mm-hmm. and it can just simply be about that. Mm-hmm. But I believe that every, every person is due the dignity of, um, the, of a human being. I remember when Jezebel died and, uh, it says that she was thrown from a tower and the dogs ate her. I'm sorry. The, the chariots trampled over her and then the dogs ate her body. And, um, it was a very, she was a very vile, vile woman. Mm. And yet Jehu says, let's give her a proper burial. She was the son of a king. Mm. 
So even she was worthy of the dignity of a burial. Of course, when they went and they found, they, they couldn't find anything but a, the top of her skull and her palm of her hand. And even that, they said, okay, we'll, we'll bury that then. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just because a person was uh, a creation of God, that in itself is worthy of some sort of respect mm-hmm. and dignity. Yes. Okay. Now, that's a, that's a good question. I don't think I, I've ever thought of that before. Now, it looks like we have four minutes left in our time. I'm, oh, I'm not so sure if we're going to be able to take a question that, and, and be able to do it justice. So we'll answer one more question from the, from the email, and then we will say goodnight. So, Hannah, what question do we have? Uh, this listener is asking about the Sefer Bible. The Sefer Bible. That's mm-hmm. an interesting, interesting question. Now, the Sefer Bible, um, the publishers of the Sefer Bible don't even call it a Bible. Um, but they say that it can, that this publication, the Sefer, um, it's, uh, it's called the Eth Sefer. They claim that this, this publication has um, missing books of the Bible or missing passages or or a better translation. Uh, something about the Sefer Bible is that it is not a product of scholarly translation. It's not. Mm. And most scholars, when they take a look at the books that are added and the translation, they say it's not done according to, you know, good research and scholarly work. And uh, so I do not believe that it should be called a Sefer Bible because it's not. (laughs) Uh, Not even the publishers recognize, uh, not even they want to call it a Bible. Mm -hmm. They just call it a a Sefer. And so it's not a piece of scholarly work. Um, Most of the Bible scholars who study study scriptures and its uh, its origins, they do not see it as a, a good representation of what the Bible should be. Okay, so thank you very much, each and every one of you, for tuning in today. And thank you for those of you who called and sent in your question through email and text. And we would like to uh, invite you to tune in again next Monday for another time of Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Louis Moffness. And Hannah Moffness. Saying good night. Bye. And God bless. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime to bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.